count. What it do? Hey everyone, it's Bonzi from Bonzi Live on Trippin' with Bonzi on YouTube and the Dean Blundell Network. On today's podcast, we have Stanley Cup winner, gold medal winner, played over a thousand games in the NHL and also scored a thousand goals. He's been inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's the legendary Theo Fleury. His second time on the show, I'm really thankful that he was able to come back and have this chat with me. It was a, it was a pretty heavy chat. It, it sort of hits close to home, even though... It really didn't, doesn't for him anymore, he said. But it was one of his former teams, the Chicago Blackhawks. They got in big trouble. They hid some crazy uh, sexual allegations that they knew about for 10-plus years after winning the Stanley Cup in 2010. It has finally come to light that John Doe, turns out to be Kyle Beach, was the one that was sexually assaulted by uh, then-video coach. I won't even give his name because uh, he's a loser. Anyways, I reached out to Theo. I'd asked if he'd come on my show and talk about it and his feelings towards everything. And he was kind enough to say yes. He's open, real, and honest as always. I'm really proud of this interview. I don't know if you caught it live or not on my show, Bonzi Live on Trippin' with Bonzi, but I got a ton of amazing feedback and it made me feel really good. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did, speaking with Theo again for the second time. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Listen, it's a real pleasure and an honor to have him back. It's Theo Fleury. On Bonzi Live on Trippin' with Bonzi on YouTube and the Dean Blundell Network. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Yeah, no worries. All good. <laughs> We're just talking. You're actually, this is your third interview today. And I could understand it being, being a busy week for you with uh, everything that's come to light with the Chicago Blackhawks. But you're actually in a car dealership waiting for your <laughs> winter tires to be put on. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I, have a, I, have a, I have a good friend that uh, owns seven dealerships across uh, Western Canada. And so uh, wow. he said... I said, well, my wife, who doesn't want to get in the car unless we have, you know, winter tires, um, said, you better get these put on. So I called them and it's happening. So, yeah, well, yeah. right on. I, I can't believe it because I am the furthest thing from snow being in, in, I'm in the desert in California right now and love it. And it, it, it's hot here, but, and I love it. So anyways, yeah. you stay safe on those roads. I'm glad you got mm -hmm. the winners on. Um, I really do appreciate you coming back on the second time. I think it was well over a year ago now, and, and mm -hmm. you were a fabulous interview. So many kudos from that, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming back. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, um, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, when you're when you sort of live in this space, and and you know, the first, you know, when when an incident happens, you know. Uh, I'm sort of this go-to guy that people, that people want to talk to. So, Yeah, and, and I thank you for taking the time because it is a heavy, horrible, shitty subject, no matter how you look at it. And obviously we're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks and what happened with, um, excuse me, Kyle Beach. And, and, and it's finally broke. It took 11 years. Um, mm -hmm. Walk me through your emotions of finding out and, and how did you find out? Yeah. Well, I, I caught a bit of a wind of it, you know, the story, <clears throat> but you know, am I surprised? No. Am I shocked? No. Um, you know, uh, when, you know, and what happens here is the universe will always, will always put the lesson in front of us until we get it. Right. 
And here's another example of, you know, uh, we just don't get it, right? You know, and how how the Blackhawks handled this situation, uh, you know, is horrible, despicable, you know, all these things. And so, you know, my 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 mind always goes to why aren't we getting this? Why aren't we getting this, right? Because we have we have the Catholic Church, who every day has to talk about pedophilia. We have USA Gymnastics. We have Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, the Boy Scouts of America, you know, and the list just goes on Sadly, and on and on, right? goes on, you're right. 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 So, you know, obviously we aren't getting it. And why aren't we getting it? Because we don't want to get it, you know, uh, is how I see it. And, uh, you know, this situation could have been completely, uh, you know, avoided, Right. As soon as Kyle Beach went to management, management should have went to the video coach and said, you know, we have this allegation. You are suspended until further investigation. You need to leave. You need to leave. And, you know, the Blackhawks could have went on. The investigation could have been ongoing. You know, they didn't have to tell the media at that point. I understand they were, you know, in a run for, uh, you know, they were in the Stanley Stanley Cup finals, but. You know, uh, the, and, and what's interesting I find is the president of the Chicago Blackhawks, who's no longer with the Blackhawks, is the guy that should be facing the most heat because Bowman, Quenville, Shovel Dayoff, all these guys went to him with this complaint and he didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And because he didn't do anything with it, now they're in the biggest shit show, shit storm ever. Right. And so when I say it was avoidable, it was avoidable. Yeah, so many questions, dude, and I'll try to get through them as quick as possible. Did it did it hurt even more closer to home knowing that it happened for a team that you played for? Does that really matter? Or, no, or, and, and no? you know what? I see this as a societal issue, societal problem, and, you know, the flavor of the week is the Chicago Blackhawks. That's how I see this, right? Sad. And yeah. in the underbelly of society, eh, we have a huge problem with pedophilia like massive, huge problem with pedophilia. And we continue, you know, to sweep it under the rug, right? You know, child and human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry, okay? And who are the biggest consumers of child trafficking? Pedophiles, okay? Yeah. And, you know, I live in a province that has, you know, it, it's one of the worst places on the planet for this kind of stuff. And, you know, nobody talks about it. Right. And if it does, you know, if it does reach the surface, it gets pushed down very quickly. And so, um, and it makes you wonder, right. Yeah. It makes it's pretty it gross makes you, if you think about it at yeah. the end of the day. Like, yeah. And you know, the, the, sh- the shock value is that there's a 10 year old girl in Alberta tonight that's going to be trafficked 10 times. She's going to have sex with 10 different men tonight. And that's her life. That's her life. Yeah. Which is, Sad. which, uh, you know, where's the leadership, right? There isn't any, there isn't any. And then, yeah. and then, and then that makes you even question more, right? Why? Were you sick to your stomach when you heard about it and, and that it happened in the NHL again? 
you know, after what you've gone through. And then mm-hmm. there have been. Well, other... ours, ours, ours didn't happen in the NHL. Ours happened in the WHL. Right. Uh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and, under, and under the leadership of, you know, the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association, which is now Hockey Canada. Right. And, uh, you know, I was involved in a case uh, about a year and a half ago where a guy named Bernie Lynch, <clears throat> who uh, coached uh, junior hockey in Canada for 40 years. And he just got caught. Like he just got caught last year. So he started coaching in the eighties and, you know, was molesting boys, you know, throughout his whole entire career. And then finally somebody, somebody said enough is enough. And, and uh, you know, so uh, it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. And, you know, like I said, we're not, we're not getting the lesson from the universe, right? You know, oh. Uh, it must drive you insane because you, you you came clean so long ago. You've you've been vocal about this for forever now. It feels like Theo, mm-hmm. and yet it, this shit is still going on every single day. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what sport either. Like you just yeah. rhymed off so many, and it's how, does it affect you daily and, and like and it make you so angry, or do you have to kind of put that aside and go? I could wake up every day pissed off as hell, or I can just continue trying to fight the good fight. Yeah. Well, I've done my work, right? I I've done the healing stuff that I needed to do so that, so that this stuff doesn't affect me. Right. And, you know, and I'm a 40,000 foot view guy, right. You know, I want to figure out a way where we completely eliminate uh, the opportunity and access that these pedophiles have with our kids. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, the person I feel probably the most sad for and most frustrating for is Sheldon Kennedy, because, you know, Sheldon has put, you know, put a lot of these programs together and, you know, the respect in sport and, you know, uh, he designed a program where, where if you want to be a new coach, there's a, there's a protocol that you have to go through and, and all that yeah. stuff. And, and you know what, we're still here, you know, we've, we didn't learn anything from the Sheldon Kennedy experience. We didn't learn anything from the Theo Fleury experience. Why? Because it's still happening. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the old saying you can't fix stupid is, is, is that's what it is. Right. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, if, if I come out as this brash guy who's angry and pissed off, then people are going to label me, Oh, that guy hasn't done any healing at all. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so, you know, uh, it's, it's really, out, it's out of my control. And, you know, there's a reason why, you know, when I come on a show or, you know, do somebody else's podcast, you know, Theo Fleury is an advocate. Well, this is what advocates do. You know, they try to raise the level of the conversation. They try to change the conversation and, and that's all I have control over. Right. Yeah. I want to go fucking beat the shit out of that guy that fucking, but me being in jail, yeah. It's not going to, you know, not it's gonna not going to be, not going to be, you know, do anything. And, and, you know, I was angry for a long time, you know, I bet. and angry, angry is what, what kept me drunk and kept me doing drugs and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, uh, there's a, there's a transition, uh, transitional phase that has to happen in your life or, you know, uh, you know, you're going to struggle and, uh, and the bottom line is, I can only affect one person at a time. That's it. And yeah. if I, and if I get out of that 
that way of thinking, then it, you know, it, it, it's not as effective. Do you blame the old boys club, Theo? Is that, is that what, is that what this stems from that? They didn't go and, and say something or do something. You know, they obviously said something, but, well, but nothing it, was done. They panicked. Okay. They panicked. And, you know, and when you panic, you, you make bad choices and bad decisions. And like I said, you know, this, this situation was completely avoidable if they removed that gentleman immediately as soon as they got the complaint. Yeah, I think Tort said it best. It's, it's just one, one guy. It would have taken one guy to stand up out of all of that group mm-hmm. of the hierarchies to say, yep. guys, yep. come on, this, this is, yep. this is wrong. You but, know? but if you, but if you look at all these incidences, Larry Nassar, Penn state Catholic church, th- their first inclination is to deny, right? They deny yeah. the, the accusation, right? Yeah. And then, you know, somebody starts digging around and doing some investigative reporting and find out, it's actually the truth. And when the truth comes out, everybody panics, right? Because you you got to protect your livelihood. You got to protect your job. You got to pr- protect your reputation. But look at, look at what happened since. Are you Bowman? Yeah. Bowman's gone. Joel Quenfell had to uh, um, resign, resign. And Kevin Cheveldayoff got let off, but I guarantee you his, his life from here on in is not going to be, a lot of fun for him. Yeah. And I was going to talk to you about all those guys. Uh, are you happy? Uh, is that justice f- for you and for, for the Kyles uh, out no, there? Just, or? Just, justice is when this stops, completely yeah. stops. That's, that's justice to me, you know? Um, and, you know, in, in organizations, uh, you know, I, I don't think the Chicago Blackhawks ever recover from what happened. Right. This is a shit stain on their organization. One of the most storied historic franchise, original sick fr- franchises, original six, yeah. you know, uh, in, in our game. And they're, they're not going to recover from this unless all the players move to different teams and all the people that were involved with the or- organization are gone and they start right, right from scratch. That's the only way they're going to get out. Yeah. Of this. Are you surprised Shovel day off didn't get, uh, the same treatment or asked to resign. I'm shocked. Shocked. Yeah, yeah. I was too when I saw that. Every every person who was involved in the cover up and didn't do anything should should not have the privilege of being part of the NHL ever again. Does that come down S- to the players that. Too, Theo, that were on that team? Because they knew. Now they said they didn't know until training camp the following year, but they all knew oh, too, they, bro. And, and they hit. they 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 didn't know, and they were you know. Uh, there was homophobic slurs in the dressing room and they didn't know. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, uh, I would not want to be Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane right now going into every single arena and having to do press conferences. Cause they're not, it's no longer about hockey. Nobody's going to be talking about Chicago Blackhawks and how they play and what their systems are or anything else. Every single, um, question is going to be why didn't you yeah. do why didn't you do what you, you, you were supposed something. to do yep. yeah and 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 they've both dug themselves a hole already the two of them have already because they you know when you say you didn't know and the report says that everybody knew 
you're you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. Yeah. So I have to ask you this. Um, How high do you think this really goes? And and I guess by that, what I'm getting to is, is, does it go to the cream rises to the top? Did did Bettman know? Do you think he knew? Well, I don't know what the protocol is, but I would assume that the protocol would have to go right to his desk. Right. I, I certainly <laughs> feel that he knew. And I, yeah. I feel that Batman is part of this ginormous cover up for the past 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the, look at he, look at how it went unreported. And then I'll use Sportsnet as an example. Sportsnet signs $5.3 billion deal with the NHL, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's, there had to be phone calls or meetings that said, yeah. yo, this, this, if it, it doesn't get talked about, it's, it's swept away. It's gone. Hopefully right. it'll never come and, and look what happened. It did. So ultimately, well, I do, think do, do you think he, you think ESPN's happy right now with all the money they just threw out and this yeah. is what they got to deal with? No, <laughs> they, they yeah. can't be happy. So I'm sure that, that, uh, you know, whoever the head of ESPN sports is, has been on the phone with Mr. Batman for, you know, hours at a time going, you better do something or we are pulling, we're out of here because we yeah. can't be associated with, you know, with this stain. Do you see Batman stepping down? Not a chance. No, no, no. Now, but, know- but, but, you know, uh, you know, people get angry on social media and I say, well, if you want to send a message, stop going to games, stop buying tickets, stop buying jerseys, you know, stop buying you know, video games and they'll get the message. And the sad thing is, uh, Theo, we know that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. No. Nope. And they know it too. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 so therein lies the yeah, problem, the problem, <laughs> right? You know? Sad, but true. And I hate to laugh, yeah. but and we are, but it's, it, it, we're laughing because it's, it's, it's disgusting really. And, well, and, 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 you know, uh, as hockey players, you know, we're, we're taught about, you know, character and integrity and all that stuff. And the only guy that showed that in this whole thing is Kyle Beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. have so, you spoken to Kyle Beach, Theo? Uh, so uh, we, we have not talked on the phone yet, but uh, it, it's in the process of, of happening. Okay. Um, great. Uh, you know, he's in Germany right now. He's playing, you know, and here's another thing, you know, Kyle Beach, 11th overall pick, 50 goal scorer in the Western Hockey League is playing in the third division in Germany. What does that tell you? What does that tell you when you come, when you come out with this stuff? Yeah. Old boys club. Is the old boys club ever going to disappear, Theo? Or is it there forever? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, I've been so detached from, you know, the, you know, that that group of people for such a long time, you know, and you know, they basically shoved, put me on the, on the sidelines too. Right. Because of, because of what I brought to the table. And, uh, you know, I know that the Calgary flames aren't necessarily happy with me with some of the stuff that I I wrote in my book, but you know, uh, the only way, the only way I know how to stay sober is honesty, openness and willingness. And, and, uh, you know, I did my best, uh, to tell the story and, uh, you know, I might've burned some bridges, but you know, I, all Love I know it. is, all I know is that, 
you know, I have 5,875 days of con- consecutive sobriety and I have a great life and great friends and great relationships. And, and, uh, you know, every day I'm helping people, you know, come to grips with sexual abuse and, and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think I'm doing my part for, uh, the greater good of society and, uh, you know, hockey is a distant memory uh, for yeah. me. And uh, the work that I'm doing today is 10,000 times more important than what I ever did on the ice. And I would trade my gold medal, Stanley Cup ring, World Junior Championship, all that stuff. I would trade all of that to do the work that I do today because this wow. is what matters. This is what matters. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason, and the reason why I went through all that trauma in my life was to get to this place, right. So that I could help people because without the experience, I can't help people. Yeah. Congratulations for helping people and, and, and coming to terms with everything that you've, you've gone through and, you know, the alcoholism, the drugs, everything in it. And it's, it's hard. It's a hard life. And mm-hmm. I, I know firsthand of trying to quit alcohol. It's not easy, but and we talked before the show, you said it's, it's just ultimately it's a decision. It's a choice. Right. And and it's so true. Uh, You also, congratulations. Today's a big day for you. It was uh, 20 (laughs) years, 20 years ago today that you scored, uh, got your 1000th point in the NHL. That's that, that was a huge accomplishment back then. And I know it kind of goes like you would, you would give all that back for what you do now, but getting a thousand points in the show, especially with the, you know, the, the career you had, Playing wasted some nights and, and on drugs. Um, two two assists in Dallas, uh, October 29th, two thousand one. Congrats! Crazy, thanks. Twenty yeah, not, days not, flies not, by like that. Not bad for a guy that wasn't supposed to play one game in the National Hockey League. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you um, still look back and think about that and go, ah, "Fuck you" to everybody who, who said I'd never make it or wasn't good enough well, or was too well, small. There's a lot of guys that are still trying to pull it out of their ass because I shoved it so far up there. It was never coming back out. So, um, but, uh, I love it. you know, um, you know, the, the one thing that sort of set me apart from every small guy that tried to make it was first and foremost, you know, God blessed me with, uh, you know, incredible talent and, and, uh, ability. Right. And, and, you know, the thing that set me apart was my will to compete, you know, and I hated to lose and, uh, I loved playing against the best players in the game head to head. And, uh, and yeah, so I I really believe it was my competitiveness and my willingness not to back down. Um, you know, that, that sort of set me apart from, you know, from all these people. And now, you know, now, uh, you know, Marty St. Louis in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, we have a guy in Calgary named Johnny Goudreau who I could eat a, a, an apple off the top of his head, you know. Um, and there's more and more little guys in the game because the game is, is changed and it's changed. built around it's built around skill, right? Whereas, you know, ours was barbaric, violent, uh, crazy, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so... So yeah, the game is is designed now for you know the smaller player to have success because there's no hooking, there's no holding, there's no red line, you know. Right. You go in, you go in front of the net, you're not, you know, they're not breaking sticks over your back like they did back when we played. Right. You know? So, so, so yeah, it's it's and it's evolution, right? You know, 
the kids are are in way better shape. They eat better. You know, they take care of themselves. You know, and uh, because you know each each individual player that plays in the in the National Hockey League is a business, yeah. right? So you have 23 businesses within the big business of hockey, right? So, and these kids show up at the draft with nutritionists and chefs and, you know, personal trainers and financial planners and an agent and all that. And so, you know, those people are on the payroll, right? They're on the payroll and, and they, you know, that guy's responsible for those people, right? So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's just the evolution of, you know, of life, right? You know, if we, if we find something better, we're going to, you know, cause everybody's looking for an edge, right? Everybody's looking for an edge. And so, and, and because we know so much more about health and wellness and, and all that, uh, and, and what I find interesting is, is, you know, it's coming slowly, but surely, but, uh, you know, how they deal with mental health, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think needs to be way more part of, of the game than it is right now. And it looks like it's heading that way, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, absolutely. But you got guys like Robin Lehner, uh, who says, I'm going to uh, start with saying thank you to Kyle Beach. What he has done is courage on the highest level. We all need to be better in supporting each other. I had a really emotional talk with Kyle today. I can't say how much I appreciate you for what you have done the last few days. Um, it, it goes deeper than that. The Carey Prices, who, you know, you mm-hmm. don't really see. All you, all people see is Carey Price, a goalie yeah. god, plays for the mm-hmm. Habs, plays for yeah. Team Canada. They, they mm-hmm. don't think about the daily struggles that some of these superstars can can go through. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't how matter how good you are. Ultimately, yeah. at the end of the day, people suffer from mental illness, and I, I, I finally think we're going to start seeing a, a, a lot more positiveness come out of this in the NHL. Agreed? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and, and <clears throat> I subscribe to the fact that uh, 5% is ability, okay? Everybody can play. Everybody can skate. Everybody, you know, all of this. And what sets the great players apart from the not-so-great players is, is mental toughness and their mental state of mind, how they prepare, how they deal with stress, how they deal with pressure, all of those things, right? Yeah. And, and the guys that can manage that stuff become superstars, become legends, become hockey hall of famers, those, those guys, you know, and so why aren't we spending more time on, you know, the mental side of game of the game? Because I I really believe that, you know, that's the most important thing. And then, you know, uh, say what you want about Tiger Woods and what he went through and all that, but there's no athlete on the planet that is more mentally tough than Tiger Woods. And that's why, you know, he's in a debate right now as being the greatest golfer, uh, in the history of the sport. Right. And so, and so, you know, uh, you know, teams spend so much money on analytics and all this stuff now. Right. And, you know, there's, there's eight or nine, 10 coaches on a coaching staff now. And, you know, uh, I don't know why they're, they're not, you know, spending resources on, on, uh, you know, getting these guys mentally well right. and getting them to perform at the highest level, because the team that, that has the, has that kind of breakthrough is going to win Stanley cups. Yep. Agreed. Uh, speaking of Stanley cup, 
Blackhawks owner Rocky Wirtz wrote a letter to Lanny McDonald, chairman of the Hockey Hall of Fame, asking for Brad Al- uh I hate saying his name. Uh, for, <laughs> they want his name removed from the Stanley Cup. It's a no-brainer, yep. right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, isn't he in jail right now? Yeah. So, you want yeah. a jailbird on the Stanley Cup? Was Rocky the uh, owner when you played for the Blackhawks? No, I, I had Mr. Wirtz. Ah, okay. Yeah, nice. I had Mr. Yeah. Wirtz. What a, what a character. What a character. I bet. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Like, he was so good to me because when I got to Chicago, I was a fucking train wreck. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, and he did everything in his power to try to get me the help that I needed. And unfortunately, you know, at that time, I just wasn't ready for the help. But, uh, you know, and I just love seeing those pictures of me with the, you know, with the Black Hawk yeah. on my chest because, uh, you know, I played for two original six teams, you know, the New York Rangers and Chicago Blackhawks. But I can tell you the first night I put on that, that Blackhawk, because, I, you know, I'm an Aboriginal person. And, uh, and uh, you know, Freddie Sasakamoose, who was the guy that paved the way for all of us Aboriginal kids to have a dream that one day we could play in the National Hockey League. You know, it was a special night to put on that jersey. That's pretty awesome. Is that your signature or is that a fake? Can That's my sig. That's my sig. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. on. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, and this was I, I just put it up. I forgot while we were uh, I was congratulating you, but that was when you got your thousandth point in the NHL 20 years yeah. ago today. That's really cool. <laughs> um, I'm old. I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> You're only as old as you feel, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Um, what else? I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you got to get out of here, but um, do, 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 do you miss? Do you go and watch hockey at all uh, anymore, Theo, or have you fully kind of removed yourself from that setting? Uh, I'm still interested in, you know, especially what the Calgary Flames are doing because I, I live in the city, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I watch as many games as I can on TV. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a big sports fan, period. And uh, I love the Toronto Blue Jays. I love the Toronto Raptors. Um, uh, still... Uh, very much, you know, I, I have a, I have a flames logo pretty much tattooed on my heart. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, the, they were the organization that gave me an opportunity and gave me a chance. And, uh, for, for that, I will always be loyal and grateful. Um, you know, cause <laughs> you know, I was drafted 472nd in the draft and, uh, because the first year of eligibility, I didn't get drafted and there was 12 rounds. And then the following year, um, you know, I got picked in the eighth round, 166th overall. So basically 472 guys were picked before me. And so what I always tell kids who are heading into the draft, it doesn't matter what number you get picked. It's where you finish. Right. right. And right now, as we're talking, I sit 61st in all time scoring in the NHL. And so, you know, getting drafted means you have an opportunity and what you do with that opportunity is up to you. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, when I went to my first training camp in, in, uh, Calgary, there is not one person in that organization that ever thought that I could play in the national hockey league. And by the time I left my first training camp, they were all believers, right? And, 
And so, yeah, you know, you, you need to make an impression. And like I said, it was an opportunity. And, you know, when I showed up at, you know, in the dressing room, you know, for my first training camp, I didn't walk through the doors. I fucking kicked them down and said, Hey, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. You weren't scared on any level of dudes that are like twice your size. You were just like, oh, fuck them. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. better than them. Or I'm just here to kick ass and do my own job. Right. Well, I, I, I knew that, that, that the majority of guys in the NHL didn't want to compete at the same level as me. And that was my advantage. Wow. Right. Cause I was willing to die in order to win. And I knew if the guy I was playing against wasn't willing to go to that length to do it, then I could, I, I could take him anywhere on the ice. And I knew that, that he wasn't willing to go to that place. Yeah. And that's what gave me, that's what gave me the advantage. And, you know, as a guy who's five foot six, 150 pounds, uh, you know, the whole league is six inches taller than me, 50 pounds heavier, right? So so how's a guy like like pure physics says that I can't yeah, have success yeah. in the NHL? But, you know, the one thing they didn't measure was the size of my heart and my willingness to, to compete and win. Amen to and, that. And, and that was my advantage. And that's what gave me room on the ice because, you know, the guys didn't know whether I was going to kiss them or cut their eyes out, right? <laughs> because both could have happened in the same shift. Yeah. You know, and it was that unpredictability, you know, that gave me a room on the ice to do what I do best. Yeah. And you, you certainly did it best, my friend. Um, you talked the Raptors, the Blue Jays and stuff. I didn't hear the Maple Leafs. Is there, is there any love <laughs> for, for the Leafs or, or we're well, like, I'll, no. I'll tell you a great story. So, so before I went to Chicago, um, uh, that summer, I got a call from Gary Roberts who was playing. Uh, playing for the Leafs, and he said, Theo, why don't you come to Calgary and play with me and do a dike? He says, we, we need a right winger. He says, we'll play in the same line. And I said to Robs, I go, there is no chance in hell that I will ever go to Toronto. <laughs> what? Just <laughs> no. the, the media, the scrutiny, everything? Or is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and I wasn't in the greatest place in my life either, right? And I knew that if I w- was out in the bars and if I was out, you know, that it, you know, it, it, wow. it wouldn't have been a hell of a line uh, <laughs> if, if it worked though, wouldn't it? I know. Cause, cause I played with, I played with Nui and, and Rob's for, you know, quite a few years in Calgary and we did play uh, together on the line for, for, you know, quite a, quite a long time. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of success, but you know, it would have been interesting. Cause I don't know, maybe, maybe I would have been the last piece to the puzzle that would have got him to, to win a Stanley cup. And if you win a Stanley cup in Toronto, like you can just basically write, write your own ticket for the rest of your right. life. So hell right. yeah. yeah. Um, what's, what's going on? Are you paying much attention? Like the Leafs had a great season last year. I, again, mm-hmm. early exit first round shouldn't have happened, but it did should have, would have, could have, yeah. um, off to a horrible start this year. What, what, what's going on? You thoughts? Well, they don't get it. Right. So you can have, the greatest offensive team in the whole entire league. But if you, if you don't want to learn how to play without the puck, and if you don't want to learn how to play, how to defend, this is exactly what happens. Right. And I really believe the hardest job that a coach has right now is getting those phenom kids to play without the puck. And, and a perfect example was I was watching the Oilers play, uh, play the flames first game of the season or Calgary's first game of the season was up in Edmonton and the Oilers were up four, two 
with about 10 minutes left in the period. And I saw Connor McDavid dump the puck in five times in one shift. And I went, okay, he's getting it. He's figuring it out. We don't need any more goals. We need to defend. Right. Yeah. And when you're, when you're skilled guys get into that mode, you know, then, then, you know, it trickles down to the whole entire team, right. Is that we need to learn how to defend in order to win a Stanley cup. And a great example was I heard this story about Scotty Bowman when, when Detroit hired Scotty Bowman, Scotty Bowman's first call was to Steve Eiserman. And Steve Eisenman was getting 150 points a year and, you know, he was a superstar and, but they, you know, the, the organization wasn't having success. And so Scotty Bowman said to him, Stevie, I want you to get 80 points a year from now here on in. And I want you to be our best defensive player. Well, what happened? Stevie, why won three Stanley cups? Amazing. eh? Right. So, you know, and you know, these guys come, come out of, junior and college and they have so much hype around that they're this offensive guy. Yeah. Well, you're, you're talking to a guy who played a thousand games in the NHL and I have a thousand points and I sit 60th all time in the NHL. So you're not going to get points every night. Mm -hmm. And, and it's about, and you know, if you want more ice time in the NHL, guess what you need to do? You need to Play become an all-rounded player. You yeah. got to learn how to take face-offs. You learn got to learn how to kill penalties. You got to learn how to play in the last minute of the game, and that's how you get more ice time, right? So, yeah. so the coach, when he's looking down the bench and he needs a big penalty killer, he needs somebody to defend the lead, you want him looking right at you, right? Definitely. And I guarantee you, in Toronto, Sheldon Keith can't, can't look at Austin Matthews and he can't look at Mitch Marner because he doesn't trust them. Doesn't, doesn't trust it, or even Nylander that they're going to get the job done late in the game when they need to defend the lead. Yeah. And, 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 and I see that team, same old bad habits, turning pucks over and trying to do too much and all those things. And so, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's why they're in the situation that they're in. And because of and because of all of the pressure <clears throat> in Toronto, they're not talking about hockey. They're talking about character. They're talking. They're talking about the things that they should not be talking about. Yeah. Right. But that comes when that comes with when you you're not having success, and the hype around that team is way is their expectations are way too high. Yeah. Way so the pain high. and suffering is going to continue is what you're, you're telling us Leaf fans. <laughs> well, unless they get it. Yeah. Right? Well, it doesn't look like you, they're uh, getting uh, anything right now. Holy shit. Yeah. But it's early on in the season, right? It's and true. Hope, and hopefully this adversity, you know, puts that mirror in front of their face and say, you know what? Yeah. I've been playing the same way since I got here in Toronto and we've been out every year in the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully they're smart enough to go, oh, maybe I need to change the way I play. Yeah. Maybe it's not about goals and points and assists. Connor McDavid's and, the real DLA. Isn't that crazy up there? What he's what he he's capable of in Edmonton. Yeah. Well, it's fun to watch, isn't and, it? And and I think because you know when I played against Gretzky and Lemieux and all these great players, when they got the puck, they absolutely slowed the game down to their pace. And I think Connor McDavid needs to learn how to do that. Because when he gets the puck and he's gone, 
the guys that are playing with him are still one zone behind him. Yeah, you're right. Right. So, you know, like Gretzky wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but when he got the puck, he was so patient and he just let the game come to him. Yeah. Right. So and when you let, and you, when you, when you let the game come to you, you know, there's, there's not too many smart guys. Right. And Gretz yeah. knew that these guys were going to make mistakes all the time because they panic when Gretz yeah. gets the puck and he's like, Oh shit, where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to cover? And by that time, Gretz has already found him and that guy's in, you know, yeah. all alone getting a chance on net. So, yeah, it's been real fun. A couple of quick questions before you go. Are you still playing music or we got stuff coming up because COVID's kind of, well, Hey, I know it's tougher up there in Canada, but are, mm-hmm. are we looking to get back into music? Are we doing something with that? Yeah. So, you know, we've been planning a second album for, for a long time, but we all kind of, everybody in the band kind of got busy and, you know, we we're basically in survival mode. You know, my, my band guys are, are, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, they play for a living. Right. And so, you know, there was nothing happening. And so, you know, everybody got busy, but you know, there, there's a plan to finish, finish this second album and, and maybe get out on tour. Um, you know, my good friend here, Uh oh, can't hear you. Hang on. There we go. Sorry, that's got okay. a phone. <laughs> Had another phone call coming in. Um, uh, I have a good friend in in Alberta. Name his name is Gord Bamford, and uh, Gord was planning a fall tour, and I was gonna uh, do three or four songs at each of his concerts, and that all got pushed to the side too. So I'm hoping that uh, you know that sort of re- resurrects itself, and I can get out, get on get out on tour with Gord because Gord's a great guy and he does so much uh, incredible work in central Alberta for, for charities and all kinds of stuff. And him and I become really good buddies as well. So that's cool. And you got the Theo Fleury podcast, which is going well. Uh, Are you enjoying that? I can't hear you. Uh, Check one, two. Can you hear me now? Uh, What happened all of a sudden? Let me check. I'm not muted. Check one, two. Can you hear me now? Somehow we got cut off and I can't hear you for some reason. Can you hear me now? No. Shit. Damn, I can hear you. Um, my microphone's on. There's not, it's not muted. This happened to us during the, uh, our <laughs> chat at the beginning. And I, I, we, I, we had to jump out and jump back in. Um, can you hear me or no? Ah, shit. Ah, oh, folks. So what a what an awful way to uh, end this. Let me let me turn. Um, I don't know what else to suggest here. This is awful. What a terrible way to end the the podcast. Um, let me see what I can do here. Settings, audio, everything's lined up. Don't I can hear Theo. This. Audio. But he can't hear me. Hmm. Let me try something here. Shit. See if we can get him back here. If not, we'll wrap it up and well, let's see if he's. There. 
We're back. All right. I can hear you. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Sorry. All right. That's awesome. Well, I, I'm glad I got you back because I just wanted to uh, your podcast, the Theo Fleury podcast. How's that going? Do you enjoy doing that? Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, I've had some really uh, awesome guests on and, uh, you know, it just gives me an opportunity to be on the other side. You know, I, I, I've been interviewed so many times in my life. You know, now I get to be on the other side of the mic and, and interview really cool people, interesting people. And we talk, you know, we talk everything. We talk hockey, we talk politics, we talk mental health, we talk trauma, you know, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the, the poor man's Joe Rogan. So <laughs> you and me both, that puts me even lower on that total Paul. Thanks a lot. Um, I got to ask you, is it, so you said you get a lot of great guests for somebody who has Theo Fleury clout, um, mm -hmm. a lot easier for a schlub like me. It's one of the hardest parts of the show is, is getting guests Yeah, and good guests. I mean, I, I could talk to anybody really, but right. I love interviewing people, but I love interviewing interesting people that have knowledge and, and it's not always about knowledge. It's about the full package, which, which you are. And so it's uh, if you ever want to throw a guest my way, feel free. <laughs> okay. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, well, one of my, aside. one of my favorite guests that I had was, uh, was Bill Burr. No right? way. You, oh, that's yeah. Awesome. And people are like, well, how the fuck did you get Bill Burr on your podcast? Well, I go to Mario Lemieux's fantasy camp every year in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we, we spend five days there with 60 guys who, you know, support Mario's charity and we split up into four teams and we play this tournament, but at night, you know, we, there's different events that happen. And so, uh, one of the nights was they hired Bill Burr to do a stand up comedy act for all the, all the campers there. And then the next day he was actually on my team on the ice. And oh, so, wow. So, you know, we were sitting beside each other in the dressing room and we were chatting and, you know, this guy's like the huge, huge hockey fan. Yeah. And so we exchanged numbers and, and, uh, you know, I texted him and said, Hey, would you like to come on my podcast? He said, yeah, I'd love to. And so we spent like two hours just shooting wow. the shit, you know, talking about hockey and, and, uh, you know, growing up in Boston, being a Bruins fan, a Red Sox fan, a Celtics fan, you know, so it was really good. And he's an amazing, amazing guy. I, I, I find him fascinating and funny and, mm -hmm. and angry. Like he used to be so angry. Uh, and I listen to his podcast every week and, he, and he's definitely calmed down having kids and, and he's got some help too. It's, yep. uh, you know, and mm -hmm. he's been uh, open about it. And, and he said he couldn't have kids. He knew in his own head, he couldn't have kids cause he was too fucked up. He was too angry yeah. at the world. And, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yep. That's I'm going to have to go and, and seek that out and watch that. Um, yep. Theo, I cannot thank you enough again. Second time, it's been a real treat having you. And it's almost the same thing. People are like, how the hell did you get Theo Fleury in your show, bud? You're just Fonzie. And, you know, and again, it's it's just kind of who you know sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack Reedford, as we mentioned before, uh, is yeah. a friend of mine, a friend of yeah, yours. Yeah. And Absolutely. I love Jack. I can't well, wait to see him again. So what, One of the loves of my life was his sister. So That's that's right. You know, yeah, we so. talked about that last time. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just a really fantastic person and uh you know we we spent a lot of time together and uh you know we're really good friends and uh just it just didn't go to the next level which uh yeah uh, was unfortunate but uh I, I still you know 
send her a message every once in a while. How you doing? How's life? And, you know, she has two beautiful kids, a uh, awesome husband and all that stuff. Yeah. And they live in a great part of Canada too. So, uh, yeah, so it's been good. And it, you know, it's funny because, uh, I was on, uh, a podcast yesterday with a guy who's an ex heroin addict, a Jewish, Jewish guy that lives in New York. And we had a fucking blast. We, we had a blast awesome. yesterday just talking about recovery, you know, and all yeah. the fucking crazy, all the crazy things we did when we were drinking and doing drugs and all that. And he was, he was great. It was one of the funnest podcasts I've ever done. Cool. I could it, only imagine it, the stories. Because <laughs> it was just raw and, you know, uh, yeah. both of us, you know, both of us are, you know, solid in our recovery. So we're not afraid to talk about some of the crazy stuff that we did and, and all that stuff. And to me, that's, you know, that's the gift of sobriety is I don't have to hide anymore and I don't have to be feel guilty about all the, all the stuff that I did. And, you know, I've had an opportunity to go back and apologize to people and, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, sober is the new sexy. So, yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to get there and I'm doing pretty good, but I still have my relapses and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I piss it and I get angry and upset at myself and I guess ultimately shouldn't because, you know, the, the, it's a process and, mm-hmm. and from a lot of alcoholics that I've spoke to, you are going to fail yeah. five, 10, 15, maybe yeah. 50 fucking times. Who knows? Yeah. Well, um, I always say, I always say it took me 10 years to get one day. Yeah. Jeez. Right? <laughs> you know? So, and relapse is part of recovery, unfortunately, but, but it's part of the, and, and as long as you learn from each relapse, eventually you're going to get it. Yeah. Eventually you're going to get it. And I feel I'm, I'm, I'm super, super close. Like I've just, I've had enough of, of drinking. I don't don't even get enjoyment out of it anymore. It's Mm -hmm. more, it's a crutch dude. And and I don't have to tell you that. Um, Well, it's, it's, it's a coping mechanism to suppress emotional pain and suffering that's all it is right and if you don't get to the emotional pain stuff you're gonna have a difficult time right and yeah you know so so you know and and, you know they preach in the program openness honesty and willingness right and and uh and we need to surrender right you need to get on your knees and you got to say you know what i'm done and then just stick to it and then yeah. come up with it, come up with a daily routine that keeps you sober 24 hours at a time. Right. Because that's all we have. Right. Right. And if, and if I drink tomorrow, then I lose everything. But today, 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 I'm not going to drink. Right. That's it. No matter what, I'm not picking up. Because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, I yeah. know exactly what's going to happen. Right? I'm going to one I'm gonna, one turns I'm, into many more real quick. Yeah, I'm going to end up in some cocaine den in Colombia, looking for white specks on the floor. That's where that's where I'll go. Right. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, I've worked way too hard, and and uh, you know, my kids actually like me again, and uh, yeah, you know, you know, my wife. That's important. My wife wants to be with me, and so. You know, that's ultimately that's what it's about. Hell yeah. Well, uh, I can't thank you enough again, man. I wish you nothing but continued success. I know you have your haters out there, uh, but fuck the haters, you know, and uh, never change. They'll keep being you. And uh, listen. Well, did you did you know that did you know that stupidism is a form of liberalism? (laughs) 
<laughs> I love I love your Twitter account, dude. You're you are op- you're an open book. You're honest and real, and yeah. and that comes from being sober. And um, you know, and it 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 it, it gets you some haters for sure. But uh, but like I said, screw them and never change. And and you you are a real treat. You can follow Theo Flurry on Twitter. It's at Theo Flurry fourteen. Um, your band name I can't I don't have it written down. Theo Flurry and the Death Valley Rebels. That's right. I love it. And the yeah. Theo Flurry podcast, which you can find on all the streaming services. Awesome. You're the best man. Thanks again for joining me. It was a real last minute thing. I, I just emailed you last night, and you're like, oh, I, I'm busy, but and then you're kind enough to take some time to join me. So thanks again, man. Any, anytime, man. Always enjoy right. talking to you. Thank you, Theo. Take care. It's a real okay, treat. Buddy. All right. See okay. Bye now. Bye. Such a great guy. I know he's got his issues on Twitter with, with, with people and some issues out there, but hey, everybody does. Okay. So to each their own. Um, I'm a big fan of Theo Fleury. Always have been, always will be. He is welcome on Bonzi live on tripping with Bonzi on YouTube and the Dean Blundell network. Any single time you can give him a follow on twitter if you so choose it's at theo flurry 14 and buckle up if you do because he's not afraid to speak his own peace of mind love him or hate him he was an amazing hockey player who really went through a lot more than you and i most people out there could ever imagine so i'm so happy that he was able to pull through got out of the darkness and has really come a long way since those uh terrible days that he endured all right folks that's it Thanks so much for listening to this uh, great podcast. It's Bonzi Live and Trippin' with Bonzi on YouTube and the Dean Blundell Network and any streaming service where you can listen to a podcast for that matter. Coming up next, my interview with John Angus from The Trues. Can't wait for that to drop. You guys will love it. Have a great week. Have a great day. Love yourself. Love one another. Peace and love. Bye. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.